Hello, and welcome to Flushing Transit Authority. We are a, a Mets podcast. I'm Jay Bushman. I'm, I'm here with Will Stegman. How are you doing today, Will? Jay, is this still a Mets podcast? It is still a Mets podcast. We are, we are nothing if not dogged. Uh, we will see this team through the highs and the lows and the lows and the lows and the lows. We will see this team until the end. Either their end or ours. <laughs> or ours. But, you know, you can't have, you know, it was, it was just Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> like, if we don't come in here, we got to come in hot with the Bonilla takes. Um, or why do this? Or why do this? So here we are. So here we are. But before we, uh, before we move on, we do have a correction. Um, in, a, in a previous episode, we mistakenly said that uh, HBO had planned a sixth season of their iconic series, The Wire. You know, The Wire, the brilliant novelistic show set in Baltimore, where each season focused on a different institution in the city and how it was decaying. Season one was the drug war, and season two was working class Steve Doors at the port. Season three was politics, season four education, and season five the media. And we said there was going to be a season six that would explore the decay in professional sports through the lens of a fictional outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, loosely modeled on Brady Anderson, um, and how they covered up their performance-enhancing drug use. Uh, and we also said that famed Oriole player and Mets manager Davey Johnson was going to play himself in this series. Well, uh, it turns out that none of that was true. I just hallucinated all of it in the throes of a violent episode of food poisoning caused by an ill-advised crab cake. Um, we apologize to Davey Johnson, Brady Anderson, David Simon, Ed Burns, George Pelicanos, Dominic West, Clark Peters, the city of Baltimore, and everyone at HBO. You know, when David Simon listens to this podcast, and I know he does, we are going to get a serious, like, <laughs> tweet storm. Hottest of hot takes. How dare we. How dare we. How dare we um, destroy his vision. I also want to apologize to Crab Cakes in general. It was not the Crab Cakes' fault. It was my fault for not reading the expiration date on the little sticker. Um, it, was a rough, it was a rough one. You feel pretty comfortable. When you buy store-bought Crab Cakes... That come wrapped in plastic, you generally feel pretty confident that you're getting. I mean, it's like opening day. Yeah, you feel like this is going to be great. I mean, if you can't trust store-bought crab cakes in Los Angeles, like what can you trust? Look, it was on manager special. It was marked down. <laughs> what was I going to not eat these crab cakes? Yeah, yeah. All right. I've never understood crab cakes, by the way. Really? Don't don't like them. Oh, now we're really going to get. Yeah. we're really going to get a David Simon tweet storm. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know what? Actually, before we get off, before we get off the the wire and into into the Mets, let's think about this. If we take each of the seasons of the wire, yes. What season of the wire is this Mets season? Oh man, um, probably season two. I was going to say the same um, thing. I am. I, I season two is traditionally the least beloved of the seasons. I don't actually share that. I love season two of the wire. Um, but, um, there is a lot of, of Ziggy and the Duck this season with the Mets. Yes. It's like, what the heck is going on here? Like, really? Um, Ziggy can't get out of his own way, um, and neither can the Mets. Yes. Um, a few years ago, I watched all 60 episodes of The Wire in about a four-day Span. Whoa, that's a that's a heck of a four day span. Yes, <laughs> and it was one of the greatest four day periods of my life, and made me think as we talk about it now. What if you could binge watch Mets games? Wow, like 
you know, but there was some way you could avoid spoilers. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't watch this week, but on Sunday, I'm going to watch six Met games in a row. So, um, it seems like a decade and a half ago, but you may recall that in 2015, the Mets were in the World Series. Were they? They were. Doesn't um, seem, it seems <laughs> weird. Yes. It but seems okay. like prehist- prehistory. It seems like ages ago. But, seems fake. But okay. um, through a variety of events or, uh, or scheduling issues, um, I ended up having a um, conflict which kept me out of the house and, in fact, uh, away from home overnight on the night of Game 3 of the World Series. Um, and through a lot of help um, and through uh, uh, my wife, uh, Bronwyn, recording the game and not telling me what happened um, and all the people I was around keeping an embargo, I was able to come home the next day and sit down and watch Game 3 of the World Series the morning afterwards without knowing what was happening. And it was kind of incredible, especially because that was the game they won. Right. How did you not immediately come home at 2 o'clock in the morning and put the game on? It was a challenge. It was a real challenge. Um, But the best part about that was sitting on the couch with Bronwyn as she watched the game again next to me, knowing everything that happened. I have to say, that is some quality partnership. That is. Even if she resisted the urge to say, oh, you have to watch this part. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'm fortunate in that I have a quality partner. That's good. Quality partners. Quality partners. Here's really the quality partners. partners. Here's quality partners. Um, the only thing I have that compares to that is during the 2006 NLCS, um, the night of Game 7, mm-hmm. I had to work. I had to run a focus group oh. of, um, of TV subscribers, asking them about how they preferred to contact their cable provider for service. Mm-hmm. So for um, roughly four hours, I sat in a room over by LAX talking to people about their preferred method of communication with the cable company while the Mets were playing Game 7 of the NLCS against wow. the St. Louis Cardinals. We don't talk about this enough, but the St. Louis Cardinals are the worst organization in sports. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get into why. I'm just going to go on record here as I don't like them. I don't want anything good to happen to them. But 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 don't they have the best fans? Like, aren't the fans of the Cardinals like supposed to be the epitome of of, of a of a good fandom? Well, yes, and I will say this: the individual Cardinals fans that I know are all wonderful people. I know about a half a dozen uh-huh. hardcore Cardinals fans who I regularly talk to and communicate with. Um, and I'm always afraid to tell them, the team is garbage. <laughs> like, you should come and join the Mets. But anyway, I missed that game completely. Wow. And instead of, because I had, you know, I was recording it, mm-hmm. but instead I looked up the score. Oh, you could and, it, yeah. And I knew it. And knowing how it ended, I could, I'd never watched it. I'd, to this date, oh, never, wow. never oh, seen that game. I've a... seen the, I've seen the clip of the end. Yeah. Um, I understand that we should blame Beltran, but never seen the game. Oh, that's a damn shame because that, I mean, that's one of those games that has one of those moments that is the the endy catch that is. Yeah, I've seen the highlights so of that incredible. too. Yeah. Um, and I can only imagine what it must have been like to 
to watch amazing. that live. I always talk to you know friend of the show and friend of ours, Matt Callen. He and his wife were there, oh. and you know sitting in the upper deck chair. And it, Matt has said many times, like it was it's the best moment he's ever seen. Um, and he said Shay was never louder yeah. than it was at that moment. It's funny, the uh, the methods that we've gone through over the years to catch up with or to get news of games that we were not able to follow. And I think about how much technology has changed things. You go back to, uh, to the 80s, uh, in the 86 World Series, I recall Game 5 uh, of the series, it was in the ninth grade, and I was required to attend and help uh, run some sort of parent-teacher conference event at my junior high school that night. And I remember being like, are you kidding me? It's Game 5 of the World Series! And, like, being at this event and, like, trying to duck into a teacher's lounge and, like, catch a little bit of it on a TV. And do, do you remember? Do you remember Sports Phone? I was going to tell you... But I was a regular sports phone. Caller. I remember that as you well. You got forty cents and a minute to go yep. stand by a payphone. Yeah, you can get the Met score. I would love to see. I've heard that there are some people who are you know kind of broadcasters and names that we know who got their start working on sports. Tony Rhodes for one. Yeah, got his I would start love. There. I would love to see a documentary about the heyday of sports phone and all the people that that uh, work there. That would be cool. Right, and I realized that sports phone was largely catered to gamblers. But it was also fantastic for students and people like me who worked retail. Yeah. Like all through the 90s, mm -hmm. I would always just go to work every day with a couple of quarters so that I could go to the payphone on break and get the scores in the yeah. next game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was great. That was then. This is now. This is sadly now. Let's, uh, we've been avoiding it, but we should, uh, we should turn our attention to the current state of the team. And, you know, let me ask you this. We said last time. Uh, that we were not going to be fooled again. Right. That um, that inevitably there was going to come a streak where the Mets seemed like they were playing better, and everyone was going to be like, oh, maybe it's not over. And, and we said we weren't going to buy it. Uh, and sure enough, that happened. They uh, went on a, on a little winning streak, um, and you started to see the articles again. Oh, maybe it's not, you know, all over. Oh, they picked up six games in the wild card. Oh, Colorado's not playing well. Who knows what could happen? Then... We got a, a, a regular wake-up call with a, a two-game uh, sweep by the Nationals, um, who are clearly the superior team. Yeah. There's no sense arguing that. If, the last, if this week tells us nothing except this, this is important, it's that the Mets are not in the same class as the Nationals. It's just it's as clear as you know the, the box scores. The Absolutely. Mets can't compete. The Mets can win against bad teams. Yes. But look at what the Mets did against the Dodgers. That four-game sweep by the Dodgers, and we talked about this last time, it was the worst I've ever seen yeah. the Mets play mm -hmm. in person. Yeah. The Mets can't beat good teams. No. You know, they left, they left L.A., they, they swept three in a row against um, the Giants. They won two out of three against Philly. Feeling great. Yeah. Yay. Let's go. And then a real team comes to town and eats the Mets' lunch. Yeah. Doesn't even bother, like, hey, we're going to just open the skies up. We're not even going to bother with this third game. Right. Because we all know how that third game was ending. Tonight, <laughs> they play, we're lucky, they play the worst team in baseball. 
Yeah. Not by record, but by reputation. The St. Louis Cardinals. Right. So, you know what? If the Mets win two out of three against the Cards, I'm not going to get excited. No, but this also goes back to something we were saying last time also, which is it, it opens the door again to enjoying the games for their own sake, not for where they put us in the standing. Yes. And I, I, throughout all this winning streak, found myself really enjoying the team again. I found myself enjoying Azrubal Cabrera playing second base with a, um, uh, a verve, a brio that he did not have last yeah. month. Maybe he's got something to prove. Still doesn't have the range, but at least he's... It's a, he's a little better. Things. He's a yeah. little better there um, than uh, than he was beforehand. And, you know, they're playing... They were playing a little more crisply. That kind of evaporated in Washington. Um, but what are you going to do? You know, I think it's been good to see um, the growth of Stephen Metz. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Metz pitched a gem yes. and a loss on, um, on Monday. Really pitched a terrific game. Yeah. Um, that and that's lost. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna lose games like that to good teams. What yeah. are you gonna do about it? Um, where's Granderson? Let's found, just talk about found his stroke. Found like, whatever whatever was missing. Curtis Granderson since the beginning of June has been I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's probably been the most productive member of the Mets offense. Definitely the most productive member of the outfield. Sure. Sure. Now, that leads to to my next question, which is, is there some kind of personal-sized humidor that Curtis can use that he can spend April and May in so that it can simulate the effects of summer for him? Because this happens every year that he's terrible in April, and then, you know, at some point during the season, it kicks in and he becomes the player that we all think of when we think of Curtis Granderson. It's just been happening later and later every year. Yeah. I think we just need to get a calendar that <laughs> only runs from May through October. Yeah. So those are the only months that Curtis is aware of. Yeah. So he warms up in May, gets hot in June, runs it through the end of the season, still somehow ends up hitting 20-plus home runs, batting a respectable 250. Yeah. Um, and, of course, being the most likable guy. On yeah, the team. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, speaking of the most likable guy on the team. Oh, yeah. Um, you probably noticed last week that the Atlanta Braves released a certain pitcher. Uh, I believe the shockwaves of Atlanta releasing that pitcher were felt all up and down the eastern seaboard. And that is not a comment on the size of said pitcher. Obviously, we are talking about the suddenly available Bartolo Colon. And today really is Bartolo Watch because he cleared waivers yesterday. So today is the first day that he can sign with any other team for the league minimum. Now, we know that the Mets organization, as evidenced by the continuing employment of Jose Reyes, really likes having a player with a big league pedigree and a minor league salary. Big big league uh, reputation, small league paycheck. Yes. So for that reason alone, for the fact that for the Mets organization, it's essentially a free player for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, just for the fans, I Bartolo Colon, as a pitcher, probably has nothing left. I don't know. I, I, I'm a big believer in, in, you know, the fit needing to be right. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Atlanta as an organization, Atlanta as an as a environment, and also, I mean, we can't, we cannot overplay the fact that 
that new stadium in Atlanta is playing very differently than they expected to. And, you know, it's a real can, hitter's park. You know, we could hit home runs there. And Bartolo is a fly ball pitcher that you put him back in City Field. True. Um, I think he's going to have much, much better numbers. Now, we're recording this on Friday morning. By the time we post this, this will have been decided. Yes. He will either have signed with the Mets or he will sign elsewhere. And there are, you know, there are some stories today that, like, well, he's fielding multiple offers. I'm reasonably certain that is a story planted by Bartolo's agents. Yes. Um, but you never know. I mean, it is what, how will you react if Bartolo signs somewhere other than the Mets? I wish him luck. You know, in all honesty, I wish him luck. Um, having him on the Mets for three seasons was a sublime and pleasant surprise. Um, he's, he's just, he goes out there and keeps on doing it. And I hope he does it for as long as he wants to. I hope he, you know, pitches like Jamie Moyer to his late 40s. <laughs> I hope he does it. I hope he pitches as long as Satchel Page pitched. Ooh, good one. Yes. Yeah. Like, after Bartolo's big league days are over, like, he just ends up, you know, pitching minor league. Players don't do that anymore. Like, if you look at the, you know, history of Major League Baseball, like, well into the 50s, players who sort of outlived their usefulness in the Major Leagues would go play in the minors. Hmm. Because there were still tons of minor league teams that were not affiliated. Like, there was still an independence right. to the minor leagues. So if you could no longer get a spot on a National League or American League roster, you could go play in the Pacific Coast League. Yeah. And as a former big leaguer, you were a draw. So you could make money for yourself. Now, that doesn't exist anymore. Bartolo wants to keep playing. He's got to go to Japan. He's got to go to Mexico. He's got to go to, he's got to, go to a league somewhere else right. outside of the U.S. Right. But I hope that Bartolo just keeps throwing strikes Keeps throwing those high 80s fastballs for as long as he wants to. Well, we should know either way very, very soon. Uh, I'm hope I'm very hopeful that he does come back. He's entertaining, and if there's anything we need on this team this season, the rest of the way, it's entertainment. It's a reason to tune in but, and watch. You know, when we talk about let's enjoy the games for the game's sake. Yeah. Seeing Bartolo on the mound and seeing Bartolo get a couple, you know, you know, plate appearances, that's fun. And I'm just, you know, uh, I don't really remember what it's like to have a pitcher in the starting rotation that you weren't worried was going to get hurt somehow. True. So that would be nice to have that back, just just so you knew that there's one person you could rely upon. Although all the rules seem to be different uh, lately, given the fact that we've had, what, two or three consecutive really good starts from Rafael Montero. Right. Well, he, he kind of gave that up last it Sunday. It was one inning. I was watching that game. It was one inning, and that's one of those innings that you can keep on the defense. Right. If the Mets like, have better Mets defense. catch a ball here or there, he gets out of that inning giving up one run or no runs. You know, we've talked so much about injuries and players who have produced the plate and players who haven't. We really haven't stressed the fact that this team has a glaring weakness on defense. Oh, man. Um. I mean, who on this team right now, outside of Curtis Granderson, would you say, and Travis Darnot, would you say are comfortable, comfortably playing their natural position? At this point, probably Cespedes. Yeah, um, I think he's. I think you could, yeah. you know, call him a left fielder, even though yeah. he may not feel like one. 
um, in his head. He may yeah. still feel like he's a center fielder. Um, I guess Lucas Duda you'd consider a first baseman. But even that, you know, he's he converted he's a, to He's that. a hitter that yes. needs to play somewhere, somewhere in the field. But really, yeah. with Cabrera going between short and second, yeah. with um, Reyes playing third, Wilma Flores is not a natural defender anywhere. Yeah. Um, this team's defense is really, really suspect. And when you have a team that, for reasons we don't understand, still struggles to bring some runs together, um, and has got starting pitching that can't go long into games. You know, having a better defense go a long way towards maybe getting a starter into the seventh inning because it's the plays that they don't make. Yeah, it's the play. It's you know, as we all know, errors are a terrible um, way to judge a fielder's um, fielder's ability because it's a judgment call. Yeah, and yeah. you never get an error on a ball you don't touch. Right. So think last week. Um, when the Mets were playing the Marlins, and um, Wilmer Flores is out third, and Ichiro was out. Oh, yeah. And Ichiro hits a ground ball that Wilmer just breaks the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Again, another player makes that play. That's an out that's not made. Yeah. In baseball, the only block is your out. You've got 27 of them, and if you're giving the opposition extra outs, killing yourself. So, you know, we talk about what are the Mets going to do Next year, as far as pitching, who do we move? They really need to think about getting some leather out there. If you'll recall, last year, I mean, this was one of the goals after 2015, and it was the reason they signed Ezra Cabrera. Yeah. It was the reason they traded for Neil Walker. And for a while, that seemed like it was working. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would call Neil Walker uh, not, a, not a brilliant defensive second baseman, but he's above average. Mm-hmm. And I remember the beginning of the, of the 2016 season, it was like such a relief to have a professional shortstop and a professional second baseman playing. And, and that just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't stick. And whether or not that's injuries or age, right. um, um, it just didn't work. And even if... David Wright was healthy, where is he going to play? Yeah. I mean, do you remember what it was like in 1999 when we had the quote-unquote greatest infield ever? Right. Where it was like, oh, you're going to hit the ball on the ground in the infield? Forget it. It's going to be an out. Like, as much as we liked to complain about how Ray Ordonez could not hit, Man, was it nice to just feel that anything that got hit to that part right. of the field was just an automatic out. Right. Ground ball to that side of second base is done. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure you could probably still suit up at Garno Alfonso <laughs> and put him in there yeah. and have him yeah. make some plays. Yeah, it's really, it's, a, it's the thing that always gets overlooked Yeah. Um, when you're putting a team together. Because you, you feel like, oh, they're big leaguers and they're going to score enough runs. Well, also, I mean, this was Sandy Alderson's M.O. from the beginning, and he never made any bones about thinking any other way, that this is an offensively built team, and that defense was a nice-to-have, but that it wasn't as important as being able to hit three-run home runs. Yeah, I think that this season has exposed the flaw in that thing. Yeah. It's when you have pitchers um, who, again, can't go along into games, so you're taxing your starters by making them throw extra pitches. You're taxing your relievers 
you know, making them make additional appearances for Jerry Blevins. Or Jerry um, Blevins. Side note, my favorite genre of Twitter lately is Jerry Blevins Music Critic. <laughs> I you, have not seen this. If you are listening to this, I highly recommend checking out Jerry Blevins on Twitter where he talks about music that he likes. Wow. All right. Yeah, well, it's we'll, a fun little thing. We'll definitely uh, have to check that out. It, but uh, before we um, before we go any further, um, we should probably pay the bills. Yeah, this don't pay for itself. Nope. Um, and so we've got a new uh, ad sponsor this week. And why don't we hear from them? Let's do that. Are you tired of this current epidemic of hand blisters? The worst. Is your ability to throw strikes suddenly bedeviled by a hangnail? Maybe you've got a thick enough skin to play in New York, but the skin on your hands is too thin to keep you on the map. Well, Hall of Fame pitcher Nolan Ryan has the answer you're looking for with Ryan's Brine. Nolan Ryan has created his own artisanal line of pickle brines, specially formulated to thicken the skin on a pitcher's hand, to toughen it up so you can stay on the mound where you belong. Ryan's brines prevent blisters, hangnails, and all manner of workaday hand abrasions. Whether it's a sprightly dill flavor that's guaranteed to put calluses where you need them, or a pink peppercorn and beet blend that will give you iron cuticles, Nolan's got a blend that will get you on the mound and keep you there. Nolan does things the old school way, and now you can too with Ryan's Brine. If you want to throw no-hitters like Nolan, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's not in this ad copy. But I've used Ryan's Brine. Oh, really? Yes. Um, the other thing that Ryan's Brine helps you with is if you ever get somebody in a headlock and need to punch them in the head multiple times, <laughs> Ryan's Brine really yeah. does the trick. Yeah, the Robin yeah. Ventura flavor. You brine. don't even. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Robin Ventura tested, <laughs> Nolan Ryan approved, Ryan's Brine. It's a shame that Robin Ventura. Um, in the end, the two things he's going to be known for is that ill-advised charge of the mound, yeah, um, and the grand slam single, yeah, yeah. Like the two things, Robert Ventura was a, you know, as they call it, the Hall of Pretty Great, which is the <laughs> yes. hall below the Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah, Robert Ventura squarely in the Hall of Pretty Great, and what we're going to remember is a silly mistake he made as a kid. And really a base running error by his teammate on the Mets. Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, all right. So we're coming up on the All-Star break. And as we've discussed a lot, they're not pulling out of this tailspin. So you know, can we can we sign track? Sure. We should talk about the All-Star game. We should Do talk we have about to? Well, let's just talk about the fact that Michael Conforto selection, good for him. Good for him. But it really is one of those, well, we have to have somebody on this right, team. pretty much. A better selection would have been Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom, I could see an argument to be made for Dave Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I don't really care for the All-Star game. I don't get excited about it anymore. Um, I don't get excited by it. It's never a good game. It's always just weird and anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. The National League always loses. Um, I will say it was pretty exciting a couple of years ago when Jacob DeGrom pitched the greatest inning in All-Star That, that felt history. like seeing, you know, a young 19-year-old point good. Yeah. 
yeah. in in the all in the All Star game. Yeah, I can, yeah, and I mean, it, it really just sort of cements the idea that you know, and, and sometimes it's it's hard to remember that with all the other names that get um, get press or get the focus. But Jacob Degrom is a big game pitcher. Yeah, and you put him in a spot where you need him to elevate, and he will do it. Yes. Yeah. I was. I'm disappointed that, and things could change. Yeah. You know, players get hurt. Who knows if Conforto is even going to be able to make it? Yeah. You know, Degrom could be added as a last minute. Um, really sure. depends on where his spot in the rotation falls. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to see that the home field issue has been removed oh from the equation. God, that was the dumbest thing. So oh. that at least is no longer there. Yeah. Every year I watch the first three innings of the All Star Game. I'm like, why am I watching? Yes. Yeah. It's just a terrible, terrible. It's no fun, and it's it's like all the bad stuff about a postseason television broadcast with none of the good yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I do every year on the All Star Game is every year I find myself on the Monday before the game, driving home from work while the home run derby is on. Uh. And every year, like a moth to a stupid flame, <laughs> I listen to the home run derby on the radio, which is. Not the saddest thing I've that's ever a, that's done. That's a metaphor for something. I don't know what it is, but that really is a metaphor for something. I will tell you that about 11 or 12 years ago, I had what I like to refer to as the bottom point in my life. Ooh. And the bottom point in my life came when on a Saturday afternoon, I decided just for fun to um, drive to uh, a casino. Mm-hmm. Even though I had no money, but I'm like, what better way to get more money than to go to a casino? Right. So I went to a casino with money I really shouldn't have been spending, which I then promptly lost very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I drove home from that casino at like 6 p.m. on a Saturday evening, listening to the slam dunk contest oh. on the radio. And if there is a sadder picture than a just dead broke, making bad choices, Will Stegman, listening to... A slam dunk contest while drinking gas station coffee on the 10. Boy, that was one of the saddest days of my life. Anyway, but now i got the Mets to keep me happy. And, you know, (laughs) it's important to to remind ourselves, uh, uh, speaking of basketball, that no matter how bad and how embarrassing the New York Mets as a franchise and as an operation are, at least they're not the Knicks. At least they're not. At least Jeff Wilpon doesn't have a band. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If, all right. Yeah. Side. We're gonna we're sidebarring yeah. like yeah. crazy this episode. What would be the name of Jeff Wilpon's band? Oh man. I'm gonna go with JW and the Backdoor Sliders. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with Meaningful Games. <laughs> yeah. Meaningful Games. They only do shows in September. Yes. Yes. So speaking of meaningful games or the lack thereof, um, we are both in agreement that the Mets are not gonna win. Uh, win it all this year. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to put together a Cinderella run. So right. Because even if they did put on a run, even if they somehow managed to win 18 to 21 right. games and get back in this, they're not getting through the Nationals and Dodgers no. if they were to make the playoffs. No. It's never going to happen. So, I am generally not the kind of fan who, when my team is out, switches uh, to uh, pulling for another team. No, in fact, I actively root against other teams. <laughs> yes, that, that's usually what, what gets me through the rest of the season and the postseason. But I'm going to make an exception this year. And I'm going to come out now with a uh, what might be a controversial opinion. But 
if the Mets are not going to win it all this year, then I am throwing my support behind the Washington Nationals. I want the Nationals to win it all this year. I hereby resign from this podcast. <laughs> no, no, hear me out. Hear me out. I have a couple no, of no, really I, good reasons. I have to leave. You got to go. You my parking go. meter's about no. to expire. Let me, let me, let me lay out my reasoning. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. One is, one is that the Nationals are still really the Montreal Expos, the most star-crossed franchise that has really had ignominy and defeat and embarrassment heaped upon them. For reasons they don't deserve. For a really, really long time. And it's about time they get something back. That they really do kind of deserve to have something go right for once. That's one thing. Second thing is I have friends who are national fans. A uh, friend of the podcast, Tom Bridge, um, is, a, is a diehard Nats fan. And I would like something nice for my friend Tom. Tom seems like he deserves good things. He deserves this. But let's be honest here. I am not this altruistic. I am not this generous when it comes to, to my sports teams. The real reason, at the end of the day, that I want the Nationals to win this year is I want them going deep into October and November so next year they suck. I want them to have what happens to the San Francisco Giants with the every other year thing where they go deep into October and November and their pitchers get stretched out, and they get overused, and then the following year they don't win because they're so tired. That's what I want for the Nationals. I want I them to see. win it all, so then also maybe they lose a little bit of that hunger. They lose a little bit. They get a little complacent. They're like, oh, we've won it once before. What do we have to work for now? And they sit back on their laurels, and then 2018 is the year we come back. I see. You're playing the long game. I'm playing the long game here. And this. if the long game means in a year when the Mets are not going to win, that the Nationals get to win something, you know, the Nationals have been our chief rival for the past couple of years, but we don't hate them. We've talked about this, you know, in the past. It's hard to hate, you know, teams like the Nationals and, and, and the Marlins, you know. It's a lot easier to hate teams like the Phillies or the, or the, or the Cardinals or the Cardinals or the Cardinals. Um so I want, uh, I, I hereby am announcing that I want the Nationals to win it all this year, um, get really comfortable, um, have one of those off seasons where everyone writes a book, everyone starts drinking, Bryce, uh, Bryce Harper puts on 30 pounds, shows up next year a little, you know, a little complacent. Um, this, I think, in the long run is going to be what, uh, what uh, best for the Mets and Mets fans. Okay. I'm taking this resignation letter that I've written, <laughs> and I am leaving it in my desk here at the podcast. Okay. Listeners, you don't know this, but we have desks. They're largely like the Oval Office Resolute desk. <laughs> we both have one. They face yes. each other. Yes. Um, when we move locations, we bring the desks with us, which is a pain. It's really the hardest part of the podcast. That's why we only do this every desks. two weeks. Yeah. We move desks. So I'm taking this letter. I'm putting it in the drawer. The drawer. I can't believe I forgot how to say that word. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it away. If I need to leave it for you, I will. But right now... It's there. It's ready. My resignation is on hold. I rescind my resignation. Okay. Now, I would counter with... I would like to see the Nationals, if your theory were to play out, mm -hmm. I would like to see them make it to Game 7 of the World Series and lose in heartbreaking fashion. Mm -hmm. um, I just wouldn't like that. I would take that as a second, as yes. a second choice. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I think that, now as we look at, in all seriousness, 
as we look at sort of how the season plays out here. Um, I want to see the Mets be competitive. I would love to see them finish with a winning record. Again, I would love, I would consider it a victory if when you get to September, there's just some hope. I know that they don't have the horses to make this work. Um, just not going to happen. Um, they, don't, they don't play the kind of baseball with this roster that's going to um, serve them well in the postseason. Defense matters a lot in the postseason. Yeah. Um, so let's just take the Mets for what they are and enjoy them. Um, I would be willing to see the Nationals go deep into the playoffs just to test your theory. But as is often pointed out, the Washington Nationals, normally Montreal Expos, have never won a postseason series. Nope. Not a one. Um, is this the year they finally win one? It depends on who they end up facing up against. Depends on how much magic is still left in right. Dusty's toothpick. And, you know, then think about it. Like, so how does the rest of the National League play out? Um, you've got a crazy race in the West mm-hmm. with Colorado, Arizona, um, and the Dodgers, all who may be better than, yeah. than any other team in the league. And, you know, I would not be um, upset to see the Dodgers do really well and go deep. And it's not because we live in Los Angeles, I guess. You know, maybe it is a little bit. Like, I I do not think of the Dodgers as my second team. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, don't buy either. that. Um, but I, it's one of those things where we've seen the Mets play them enough that you sort of start getting a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. Of, like, we recognize the players enough that, like, okay, it would be nice for them to do well. Game recognizes game. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, I think it would go a lot if the Rockies were to make a run. Um, you know, the Rockies made it to the World Series mm-hmm. back in 2007, went up against the Red Sox team that was another one of those just sort of teams of destiny. Yeah. I mean, did anybody watching that series think that Colorado had a chance? No. But I think if Colorado were to make a run and, you know, it to the World Series, it would do a lot to legitimize that franchise. Colorado's got a great team. Yeah. And, you know, they work with their weird ballpark, <laughs> and they make it work. Yeah. Um, no one on auto might quietly be the best player in the league. Right. So, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. So, I think that's probably a good place for us to leave that. Oh, we do have one um, uh, piece of new... Uh, New news to share. Yes, we do. Um, those of you in the Southern California area who are listening to this may know that um, Jay and I are fans of uh, and members of an organization called um, Mets Fans in Southern California. Um, there is a Mets Fans in Southern California meetup group that uh, I'm proud to say that Flushing Transfer Authority is now the official podcast. We're official. We're official. So if you are a member of the Mets meetup group, um, one, thank you very much for listening to this. I look forward to seeing you at a, at a future watch party. Um, I know that those watch parties have been a little downward lately. <laughs> but hey, we can talk podcasting. And maybe we can talk Bartolo one of these days. Oh, uh, I think I'm going to be spending the rest of the day sort of refreshing Twitter. And yeah. just like looking at all the... Bart the, Watch. Bart, Bart Watch uh, 2017. Um, actually, it's not too late to go register the, don- the domain is bartoloamet.com <laughs> and just put a big no until you get to change it to yes. All right. I think I know what you're doing for the rest of the day. <laughs> Trademark. Nobody go register between <laughs> now and... Well, I'm not gonna re- we're not going to release this yet. 
by the time you hear this, I will own isbartoloamet.com right. and .org. Don't try it. <laughs> I, look, I see you .netters. .co.uk. Isbartoloamet.edu. Well, if you uh, have a moment, please uh, don't forget to like, rate, and review the podcast. It really is essential uh, for uh, allowing other people who are sitting out there in the wilderness going, I don't have a Mets podcast that that fills this particular niche in my life. Where can I find it? Right. If you are a person, or you know someone who has said to you in the past, I like the Mets, but I also like The Wire, and 80s and 90s TV, TV references. And Pickle Brine. And Pickle Brine. Let me tell you, you tell that friend, sit down, buddy, because I've got a podcast for you. It's Flushing Transit Authority. So come on, come on down. Plenty of seats available. Ha, ha, ha.